0: Join the conversation at 402 342 1290 or at 800 577 1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host,
1: Sean McGuire. Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Thanks for listening. Hey, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com America's Healthcare Challenge. And by the way, don't forget to follow the uh, ED Bellis. Twitter handle, which has uh, is your source for all of the news in the industry. Uh, we're keeping up on all of the changes and if you don't have time to uh, keep up with those things, all you got to do is uh, click follow and check in with us a couple times a week and you'll see what's happening or just listen to this show because it is uh, you know the best and first and only uh, program on this issue in the country. And uh, we're joined this week by our guest co-host, Mr. Stuart Sloan, an industry pioneer. Um, in the insurance industry. And, Stuart, you still there? And um, I was curious, um, this this is kind of a time of many, many exciting changes. We've talked about this uh, many, many times uh, and, and all of these new possibilities. Uh, do you have any examples or do you care to comment on some of these things?
0: Yes, I'd be happy to. <clears throat> there was an interesting article actually in uh, in today's Wall Street Journal uh, which talked about Ford Mercedes-Benz setup shop in Silicon Valley. And they're talking about uh, the use of greater technology uh, in all of the next generation cars they're going to build. And you've all seen that, uh, you know, recently. What that has to do with our industry is the same thing is happening right now. A lot of the products that we see today are not going to look anything uh, like what they're going to look like uh, around 2018 and beyond. The reason for this is you're going to see changes in Medicaid expansion, Medicare uh, changes, and that dreaded uh, Cadillac tax that large employers 100 lives uh, and above are going to have to contend with uh, beginning next year as they work their way towards 2018.
1: Right, right. And also, uh, if I might add, and could you all help the listeners to explain uh, the implications that could be happening in 2017 when the, the reinsurance goes away?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you look at at uh, what ACA has accomplished, in other words, providing insurance uh, to people who either couldn't qualify or couldn't afford health insurance, that's all been uh, backed up by three layers of reinsurance. Those layers go away at the end of 2017, so uh, the the claims experience of what remains. Uh, is going to be bare in 2018. We expect, um, unfortunately, some pretty hefty rate increases uh, if the layer of reinsurance uh, is not uh, voted back in by Congress between now and then. So Congress has got some pretty heavy lifting to do between now and 2017. Uh, We really don't know what they're going to do in terms of uh, re-upping on the reinsurance and what effect that's going to have. On the people that that have purchased ACA products at that time, what their rates are going to look like,
1: and 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 um, I guess this is all because, well, in many ways, you know, when you have folks that uh, have pre existing conditions, now they're they're covered. Uh, they're going to probably be quite costly because a) they might have a chronic uh, illness, or b) um, they might uh, utilize for the first time, or or whatever the case may be and um in order for the insurance companies to go along with the deal they they did this uh reinsurance program as as one of the ways to uh cover their risk because it really is a numbers game do you see uh, uh Stewart do you see that in Congress uh being a a uh a, a confrontational issue do you think uh they'll do that
0: yeah i I think you're absolutely right, and I think all you have to do is to sit back uh, a little bit if you would uh you saw the insurance carriers that were involved in the first generation of these active products in 2013 and 14, And then uh, in 2015, you saw new carriers or additional carriers that weren't part of that, that uh, early group join the fray because they had to try to understand from a cost standpoint uh, where it would make sense to be able to provide product with the limitation in terms of network availability and prescription drug uh, 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 restrictions as well, for them to be able to make a profit. To carry your point a little bit further, if you now string this out to 2017, I think once claims experience is taken a look at and reinsurance either goes away or uh, may change for 2017 and beyond, we're gonna see some major changes uh, in what ACA is able to do,
1: do you think there's even a, a, a reinsurance company out there big enough to reinsure all of that risk if the government says no or can't?
0: Or, no. no, no, there is not.
1: There so is then, not. what would happen? Uh, Nobody. Your uh, guess is as a, good as you've mine. Got a serious problem. Yeah, we do, we do. Um, what about uh, well? And I think people also need to understand that um, insurance kind of goes in three years, right? Can you help them know what that means?
0: Yeah. Basically, uh, insurance of any type, and I'm talking about the commercial marketplace, which would be individual medical products as well as group. Generally, it's a three-year cycle. You have one good year and two bad years, or, or two good years and one bad year. It's some combination of three. Mm-hmm. And Generally, whenever you have a product or a program, you don't really begin to see the utilization patterns until after the end of the first year, but very clearly... Uh, At the end of the second year, then carriers uh, historically have had to make changes uh, in either the product itself, Mm -hmm. the pricing of that product, or if it became too prohibitive claims versus uh, versus the amount of premium that was taken in the front door, remove that product entirely and replace it with a different cycle or or a new product would take themselves out of a given marketplace.
1: Hmm. Wow, there's. A lot happening. So I guess 2017 really is kind of a pinnacle year because if 2014 is when it started, that would be three years of exposure, and then you've got the the Cadillac tax looming. Um, can you talk about why that Cadillac tax is such uh, so problematic for for some of these businesses and why it's given many uh, CFOs heartburn?
0: Basically, it's as we said, it's for employer groups of of a hundred plus. And uh, if they don't meet the three tests that ACA has provided in terms of an affordable plan that's being made available to everybody that's, that, it, that has all of the, uh, the minimum essential requirements built into it, that at the very least, at the lowest common denominator, is equal to a bronze plan, uh, then they're going to be subject to taxes for people who don't take their coverage um, and, uh, and if any of their people go to a state-based exchange and qualify for a state-based exchange, then the employer is going to be taxed. Right. And the taxes uh, could run into the hundreds of thousands of dollars because, again, we're talking about employer groups of 100-plus.
1: So that, it's
0: substantial penalties.
1: Is that tax deductible? No, it's not, is it? No,
0: it's not deductible.
1: So they're getting absolutely no value for that if yep. they don't offer. Do you think... Um, do you, do, well do you think there's there's other options out there? I think um, many people I believe are doing a disservice uh, to their clients um, by not talking to them about uh, some of these unique strategies out there if they're just talking to you about um, you know a, a group product and that's it just showing you what the carriers have um, they probably should be talking to you about more. What do you ta- call those types of agents uh, Stuart?
0: Well, those, uh, those to me are, are spreadsheeters. In other words, they go out to the marketplace, they get quotes from the various cares that they represent, uh, provide you know 72 quotes uh, on a sheet of paper. And uh, because uh, business people are bottom line oriented, uh, whatever is the cheapest quote is, is what they go by. Uh, very few of them explain what's contained in those quotes and what the employer is giving up. Uh, and basically, it's a one-year band-aid. So the poor employer has to go through this process every single year. They hate it, and they really don't see anything new in terms of any uh, new approaches or new new ways to solve problems. They don't see any long-term solution uh, to what's being presented to them. That's the that's the real problem in our business today.
1: Yeah, and we're talking with Stuart Sloan in uh, industry authority in the insurance industry, uh, CEO of Renaissance Captive Solutions, and. I guess that organization's got a, a, a different solution, and, and it's a three-year three year at least, so this might be another option um, for, for a business over 100. Uh, can you talk about what uh, your vision and, and what's happening with uh, Renaissance Captive Solutions and why this sure. is probably the choice, the one that I would recommend to many uh, of the future?
0: Well, if you take a look at the large employer marketplace today and what the opportunities are, the large employers looking at either renewing uh, their existing program with a state statutory uh, carrier, uh, or going to self-funding, which is the next rung up, uh, to try and stand on their own claims experience. The pro- and many many segments of that uh, industry size industry has gone to self-funding. The problem with self-funding is that. It's already been two years since that product cycle has been uh, in effect uh, and has been widely looked at and accepted by large employers. Now they're coming up to rate increases based upon their own claims experience that almost mimics their experience in the fully insured traditional marketplace. So there's no value. Uh, Some of these self-funded experiences may be positive, a large majority of them. Uh, if they have a a, a mid or older uh, population that are heavy in utilizers, uh, their claims experience is going to bite them in the neck. And so the next rung up, as far as a level of protection long term, would be a captive.
1: Okay. What is a captive?
0: A captive is an insurance company owned by like-minded employers uh, that is... Inside of that mechanism, it's self funded, and the employer is protected from his own claims experience by the claims experience of the other people in that whole block of, of business.
1: So, this would That's make
0: the difference between a captive and, and self funding.
1: I see. So, it, the risk is spread um, amongst more just because of the numbers? Yes. Yes. And, and obviously, um, sharing data and, and, um, and uh, doing these things. So who would this really make sense make sense to, would you say?
0: It would make sense for the employer who's been in business for a long time, is stable, has got stable financials, has got a stable workforce, uh, and is really looking for a long-term solution. One of the other problems in the industry is uh, in some of the states uh, where they only have uh, you know uh, either hmo or point of service plans uh, the employers and employees uh, don't have an out of network availability to them so they're stuck if they would go out of network they're going to be balanced billed which means uh, that what they would have paid in the plan is what they're going to have to pay plus a penalty for the out of network uh, use of what they've what they've gone to and that's one of the problems in terms of uh, what are the other mechanisms that an employer would have? They they have to make sure that there's an out-of-network provision for people who want to go to uh, uh, to life centers around the country for second opinions.
1: Mm-hmm. So what's the process for, for, for setting one up? Say we've got a business owner might be listening right now or an executive, somebody that's uh, kind of in the weeds with all these things because uh, of all the changes. How, how would they even go about doing it aside from calling you?
0: Uh, what they would simply do is, uh, we would do a feasibility study uh, to see if the uh, if if their particular situation makes sense for them to to go through and look into this as a possibility. Uh, stable workforce, business for uh, for X number of years, uh, and has and has the financials uh, to be able to go into something like this uh, to plan on a long term basis. Uh, for for a benefits plan, which they can control. And they are in a position in doing this to control not only the plan design of what the offering is, but also the premiums.
1: Hmm. And, and many times, would you say, if they can keep the utilization low, are the premiums a lot going to be less than the than what, what they would be in the traditional?
0: Yes, there would be.
1: By how yeah. much? And
0: it would be that over a long period of time.
1: So how much savings could, could, could they potentially realize?
0: Generally, the first year is is a wash. There, there may be a small amount of savings. The real savings in this scenario is from years two, three, and and on. Mm. So to the employer who's looking for a one-year quick fix, this is not for them. If they're looking long-term, uh, as you indicated early on, at least a three-year-plus period, this might be something they might want to take a look at.
1: I, I would think so, and I, I, I just think uh, if you could do, do a three-year thing, it would it'd make uh, things a lot easier because it's, it's just, um, I don't know if it's uh, worth it to uh, be doing a one-year-at-a-time uh, strategy right now.
0: No, it would not, certainly not for that employer who's going to have to face the Cadillac tax and has got to figure out. I guess one thing that ACA has forced them to do is, how many employees do I really need? What's their status, full time, part time? Uh, how many people will I need in a given year? So it's forced them to look at their overall business plan in terms of how many employees they really need, and then to look beyond one year, look at least two, three years in terms of what their future uh, business operations are going to look like.
1: Right, right, right. Um, Stuart, uh, we got to take a time out, but. Uh... We appreciate your time here on the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Maybe you can come back again, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what's happening uh, across the industry.
0: Be happy to. All right.
1: That was Stuart Sloan, president and CEO of Renaissance Captive Solutions. You should check check them out, because uh, especially if you're uh, in, in that demographic of a business that, that he described, um, I think uh, thinking three years is going to be be paramount uh, in the future because of all of these changes, and uh, captives are are, going to be something that uh, I I would strongly suggest looking at. You're listening to America's Healthcare Challenge. Uh, When I come back, uh, we're going to react. You can join the conversation, tell your stories, 402-342-1290, and I'll be right back.